Hey, 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 it's the Spider-Man Crossface, and I'm going to sing a song for you, and Brad's going to show you a thing or two. We're having fun now with George and all the gang, learning from the JR why we do our thing. Nah, 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 gonna have a good time. Whip, whip, whip. Nah, 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 gonna have a good time. It's Bill Cosby coming at you with music and fun, and if you're not careful, you may learn something before it's done. So let's get ready, okay? Hey, hey, hey. Thank you, Mr. Bailey and Mr. Cosby. This is episode 293 for March 2014. <laughs> okay, time for a message board questions. First one from our friend Hornacek in Canada. A question for everybody. On the last Spider History, JR talked about Kevin Smith killing off Mysterio with Smith saying, quote, I did it because no one told me I couldn't. And a percentage value, how much of this blame is for to his editor? Yes, it was a bad idea, but isn't it the editor's job to tell the writers what stories they can and can't do? For example, Cusada vetoing JMS's idea of Peter being the father of the Stacy twins. Smith killing Mysterio was not a good story, but we don't but don't we want writers to come up with new and unusual stories instead of just churning out the same old stories we read a dozen times with the when the with the editor there to say yes or no? What do you think, Jr.? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting actually when because I uh, got curious and I pulled uh, pulled these issues out because I, I do happen to have uh, at least the last part of the Mysterio story, uh, and the editor is listed as a Nancy, and I'm not I'm going to butcher this last name, but uh, Nancy. The- Dekesian. Yeah. Now, Nancy Dekesian is also known by another name. And that is Nancy Casada. Uh, oh, <laughs> really? Really, really. Which, which has, which probably has no bearing on this. It's, it's, I mean, I think at that time, Marvel Knights, I think that was what Joe was running. This is before he became, uh, editor in chief of, of Marvel, I think. So he was, he had the Marvel Knights imprint and, you know, and so, uh, so she was the editor of, uh, at least one of the titles. Uh, but in that, you know, in that one Hornacek, you're right. The editor should be the kind of the gatekeeper that says, no, you can't do this. However, I, I, there are two things going on here. One, it's the 90s, you know, and I don't know that anybody's paying a whole lot of attention to quality. Bob Harris is the editor in chief, Nuff said. Um, and I suspect that Kevin Smith, for whatever reason at this time was, you know, you didn't tell Kevin Smith no. You know, now I don't, yeah. now I don't think, you know, I don't think, uh, after, um, the evil that men do and, and Daredevil target, uh, I don't, <laughs> I, I don't think that Kevin Smith quite has that, uh, uh, you know, carries that kind of weight anymore in the, the Marvel offices. But I, I, you know, yes, you're right, but there, I think there's a lot of things, uh, you know, adding to the, adding to the, this really sloppy storytelling here. Right. And it was it was a big get to get a guy from Hollywood yeah. to write a book, yeah. and you don't want to piss him off on issue six, you know. I think that was a big thing of it. I don't know. I don't. You know. I just don't even know if they were watching that closely, to be honest, or really cared. Yeah. So. I mean, Daredevil was selling. It was near cancellation. Uh, towards the three eighty ish or so. So, 
All right, uh, Spider Nerd from Ohio. Question to the whole gang. Do you feel Amazing Spider-Man 2 is showing off too much footage before the film comes out? What with the fact that we've had several trailers and clips released from the film? Anybody? I haven't really been watching any of them, so I really haven't noticed it. Uh, you know, I saw the, the, the Super Bowl trailer, and it got me generally, you know, I, I liked it, and I'm looking forward to the film. Uh, but I'm really going to not do what I did with the first one and watch every little video that comes out because I think they, uh, re- when the first one came out, I think they released too much footage uh, yeah. before the film came out. Sadly, I've seen every bit that's come out since I watched it and posted it on the front page. One thing I did regret, at least when Spider-Man 3 came out, was, you know, that whole fight with uh, Harry Osborn and the ring was yeah. getting missed? I watched, that was like a whole seven minute clip that Sony released, and I regretted watching that because watching it on a little tiny uh, computer monitor just isn't the same as seeing it up on the big screen. And, I, and when I watched it for the second time in the movie theater, I was like, well, I've seen this already. So I, I, it's a very, very fine line about how much do you watch and how much do you not, and how much do you leave for uh, enjoyment in the theater. They are showing too much, but at the same time, they kind of have yeah. to because Sony depends yeah. on this. Is depending on this to make money. This is their Obi Wan Kenobi. This is their last hope. <laughs> Every new Spider Man is going to be their last hope. That that's very true. Well, the thing is, though, there's so many of them. I mean, for example, Brad, the last three you posted, the only that we ever had Stanley's narration. The only one that I bothered to look at was the one which you know supposedly said a spo- something spoilerific about Norman Osborn. I mean, did you watch that one? Yeah, I watched that one. Yeah, but but the others I just ignored. In a in, in a way, I'm becoming indifferent to it. You know, I mean, it's not uh, it's not increasing my uh, the you know like the first couple. It was like, wow, this is this is going to be you know pretty cool, uh, but. Now, now I'm coming indifferent, and uh, instead of increasing my anticipation of the movie, it's just kind of like, you know, God, let's just get it over with. <laughs> uh, Herman Schultz, who is the alias of the Shocker, uh, his location is on the internet, on the web. Jr. Back when I was first reading your articles a while ago, there was a uh, always a now. Jr. This is about this is a question about an article from years ago. Do you want me to just continue, or is it we just doing new stuff? This was about you. Okay, okay. We'll we'll, we'll go back in history. Okay, hold on. Uh, JR, back when I was first reading your articles a while ago, back in the 90s, uh, there was a a character (laughs) I was curious to hear some more in-depth thoughts on. And since then, he's returned and had a lot more involvement in the comics again for a while now. I realize you went into it a bit with the Crawleys earlier, but I'm curious about your views on Phil Urich overall. Like what you thought about his original series as the heroic Green Goblin and uh, where he would be if you had to rank him on a list of your favorite goblins. So who he'd be above and below on the goblin scale, I guess, if there were such a thing. Phil Urich. And what's, the classics. So, uh, what's that? You you broke up for a second. What did you say? No, I said... Well, there is a difference between old news and classic, uh, but anyway. Um, <laughs> now I I liked I I read the the Phil Urich Goblin series. I enjoyed it. I I kind of liked Phil as the Goblin. I, I liked the fact that he wasn't a, sign, a whiz bang scientific genius. You know that he stumbled upon this cache of weaponry and stuff and thought he'd be a, a superhero and. Things didn't always quite work the way he thought they would. Uh, the thing I didn't like about it, though, was Tom DeFalco 
I don't think Tom DeFalco knew how real 17 and 18 year old teenage boys talked. Uh, so, but a lot of writers seem to have, have trouble with that. Uh, but uh, no, overall, I thought it was an interesting series. I, I don't, you know, where, where do I rank him? I don't really rank him because I like my goblins to be right. bad guys. Do you, uh, well, he is a bad guy now. Well, he is like now, him? but I mean, uh, when he was the Green Goblin, I mean, I didn't, you know, it's, I, and as far as now, I mean, you know, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, Norman, Roddy, you know, doesn't hold a candle to either one of those two. You know, those you, those guys are the gold standard. Do you like Phil better as a villain, or do you like him better as a hero? I like him better as a villain now because I think it's interesting for... You're kind of breaking up, JR. Is he breaking up for you guys, too? Yeah, Spider-Man, an older man, thought slash... Oh, are you back, Are you back, JR? No, okay. Oh, there I you are. be. Okay, right. there you are. You can, you're kind of breaking up a little bit. No, I, okay. I, I like the idea of I, I kind of like the idea of having uh, a goblin villain who is around Peter Parker's own age, uh, yeah. instead of like an old man, you know, instead of an older person slash you know misguided Mister or misdirected father figure type. So, that's cool. Uh, to Brad and whoever else wants to answer, with Electro being the big villain in the new movie, what would you say your personal favorite Electro story from Six One Six Comics is? Uh, help me with this, guys. What's some classic Electro stories? Nothing is coming to mind for me. Can I, again, from the from the guy yeah. on the kind of on the outside looking in? Okay. While Electro, I think, has you know good name recognition and historically has been around for a while. Has he ever really been like one of the big villains? I mean, I know he's he's well, he's in the Sister Six. I mean, yeah, but. That and uh, you know, two bucks will get you a cup of coffee in New York City. So, <laughs> sorry, that was that was a little snarky. I apologize, but no, seriously, right. you know, when you think of you know Doctor Octopus, you can probably name some yeah. really good Doc Ock stories. You can name some good Green Goblin stories. You can name some good Venom stories. Hell, you can name some really good Sandman stories. But you know, it, even in his first appearance, I I never cottoned to Electro. I never really thought much. I in my favorite use of Electro was actually in the first couple issues of New Avengers. Mm, uh, yeah. I, I kind of liked how they treated him there, you know, how Bendis wrote him, and, and that's the only time I ever really cared about him. JR, any Electro stories with your vast <laughs> knowledge? <laughs> now, I mean, what, Electro, I can't name any. No, Electro's a, a classic B. And I mean, he's, yeah. you know, he's a straw man. Uh, you know, you, you bring him in for, you know, for uh, thrills and chills and for Spider-Man to knock the crap out of. You don't you don't really go to him for a uh, a great Spider-Man story. You know, you go to well, you go to one of uh, Spider-Man's uh, top tier villains for that. Uh, he, he's he's like Mysterio and and. Um, Chameleon, and uh, he's he's along that line. He's a classic villain, but he's but he's essentially a straw man. So yeah, uh, I'm trying to think of that that Steve Scrooge story in the '90s, um, where he, Spider-Man had to put on that uh, electrified suit. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you remember that yeah, one? I remember, he, I remember he, that. he got he got really powerful on that one. Yeah. I mean, that's what comes to my mind. Yeah, um, but I mean, he, but, the thing is, though, for a movie, though, he makes a cool visual. I mean, yeah. I've you know I've always thought Electro would be a villain in a movie because he would be he would be a, you know with some good CGI and special effects, he'd be an he'd be an awesome villain. 
And wasn't that in Cameron's original treatment? It was Sandman and Electro. Yeah, but it was it yeah. was the Electro was a, a cross between Electro and Norman Osborn. He was okay. an evil businessman with electric powers, and he would shock his girlfriend to stop her heart or what? Or yeah, he couldn't touch anybody without killing him. You know, so he'd touch his girlfriend, kiss her, and then that would stop her heart, and then he'd shock her back to life again. It was wow. Cameron. Never... Cameron's treatment was it's strange. I've never read it. I've never read it. It's it's strange. It's it's off. It's 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 off center. Yeah. It's a good thing uh, that we didn't see that one. <laughs> well, they, I don't think they had the special effects in the late '90s or the mid '90s, or maybe it was the early '90s. I don't think they had the special effects for it. Uh, Puny Parker, no location to the whole gang. What do you think of Bendis writing Norman, not only in Dark Avengers but in Ultimate Spider-Man and the Pulse? Um. JR, you want this one? I mean, I, George, I know you don't are, are a fan one. Of, of the Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, Ultimate Norman. Yeah. I'm not a fan of any Norman that's written by Bendis. I'm not a fan. I, I didn't, I, you know, not the Ultimate Goblin and not the uh, not mm-hmm. the six one six stuff where he took him out of Spider-Man universe and made him the you know number one villain in the damn Marvel universe. I I actually liked him as the big bad and yeah. the. I, I like the way that Bendis wrote Norman in Dark Avengers, for example, but in yeah. The Pulse, it was completely off. I mean, you know, Norman is a crazed serial killer killing his own employees. I mean, that's it just wasn't right for the character. I know I came up with some kind of half-assed rationalization, you know, because uh, because sometimes even smart serial killers do stupid things. You know, TBK, you know, the, the uh, oh, God, uh, BTK, you know, that guy would have gotten away with it if his ego hadn't gotten involved. Same with the Unabomber, you know, Ted Bundy actually gave out his name once. So, you know, smarts, uh, you know, they do stupid things sometimes, but it just wasn't right for Norman. And I just, just that, that just aggravated me, you know, Bendis. And then, you know, Bendis said, you know, his response to it, well, he was crazy and he got crazier. So, stupid. His ending, I, th- I thought he started strong with uh, Norman uh, being the big bad. But ending him, turning him into a big Hulk in his wi- well, that tidy white. That was stupid. That was the worst, yeah. worst ending of Norman. And then he went into a coma. That just... The visuals of Norman Osborn as the Hulk in Tidy Whitey's. Mm-hmm. Ba- Bailey, have you ever seen this? What the, the Pulse? No, no, no. The what? What? It was in the regular Avengers. Yeah, one. it was like when they brought you know after Siege and Norman went to jail right. and then Norman got out of jail and and then he started plotting with was it Madame Hydra or whatever something you know. No. And it, it, it looked like it was going somewhere, and then all of yes. a sudden, it's almost like Bendis said, "Ah, hell, I'm going to wrap this up, and I'm going to wrap this whole thing up next issue," you know, and yeah. and decided that uh, you know Norman would become an adaptoid and you know and turn into a purple Hulk in his underwear. It was literally him and his tidy whities It was awful, Bailey. I mean, <laughs> uh, Aziz from the Speed Force and. I'm in one of the I'm Marvel and I'm DC episodes made by YouTube member is just some random guy. Spider-Man wakes up from a dream shouting, it's not my fault. And Batman tells everyone around them, don't you know, he blames himself for everything. So does Spider-Man blame himself for everything, gang? Yes, ultimately. He's he's very uh, guilt ridden. Many people have said he's (laughs) Jewish over the years for all the guilt. yeah, that can be applied to Catholics too, though. <laughs> I was about to say, oh, I'm sorry, not Jewish, Catholics. What am I Jews are se- Jews are self-loathing, which I guess he kind of is that too. So, 
<laughs> if you're if you're if you're I mean if you're going for the the basis generalization, you know. Exactly. Yeah. I've always thought he he had to be he had to be uh, or not that he was practicing, but he had to be Catholic growing up. Right. I've always thought that, and a lot of that ties. And that's not. I mean, I don't want to be disparaging, but I do know a lot. Uh, I have a lot of Catholic friends, um, and not all of them, but a few of them always blame themselves for everything. Now, at the same time, I have friends who aren't Catholic who blame themselves for everything. So, but I've always thought. I've always suspected with the level of guilt he has, he's got to be Catholic. Well, it was the the Uncle Ben thing which made all the guilt. I think just. Pile on. If Aunt May was across the room and dropped a plant, he would kick himself on the way home. Exactly. Yeah. Bailey, any thoughts? Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna agree with you guys. It, it seems yeah. like that's his. That's what kind of separates him from the pack, so to speak, is that he will, blames himself for Uncle Ben's death which all, and blames himself for anything that would happen to Aunt May. I think some writers have taken that to an unhealthy extreme uh, over the years and it made it all... Because at some point, even even a, you know having grown up Catholic myself, I, I, I can definitely attest to that everything's my fault. Uh, also, when you're the youngest of four and the only boy, everything really is your fault. Uh, so, but I think it's something seat up. Yeah. No, you, you, you learn not to do that in a household full of women. Um, oh man. So, but in all honesty, I, I think there would be at some point, you know, where he would be like, you know, I'm still going to do this. I'm still going to fight crime. I'm still going to help people. But, you know, I, th- I think I've, uh, I, I, I think uncle Ben wouldn't want me to feel this way, but, New generations are coming in all the time reading Spider-Man. So you gotta, it's yeah. almost like you have to keep that up. So if you've been reading it for 40 years, yeah, it seems like, wow, all he does is talk about how everything is his fault. Meanwhile, there's a 15-year-old picking it up for the first time going, wow, that's really interesting. He thinks everything is his fault. Yeah. It's a double-edged sword. I agree. Absolutely. Uh, J.R., you mentioned mentioned once that Jerry Conway wrote Mary Jane and Liz as previous high school acquaintance, acquaintance, uh, acquaintance. friends. There you go. Couldn't say it. And I read for a living. I beat you to it, J.R. Mm-hmm. Uh, but their interaction was minor. I recall in the Man Wolf de- uh, debut story, Robbie didn't know Jonah's son, but in the amnesic Spider-Man story almost 70 issues before, it was established that John and Robbie knew each other from the Army. Now, how many continuity errors did Conway make writing Spider-Man in the 70s? Jesus, that sounds like a question that would have come out of the first Spider-Jeopardy. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> now, the, the question I is... From the, I have no idea. <laughs> Twelve. That's the answer. Twelve. Now the question: the question is, had that been in the first Spider Jeopardy, would have been how many continuity errors did he make, and how many uh, thought bubbles was it? It's <laughs> hysterical. I, I mean, is there any others that, that, that I, I, pop I, up in I, your I, mind, I, Jr.? I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> back, back back then, you know, they didn't. Have, they didn't expect us to be reading this forty years later, did they? Well. No, they, no, but even but even then, Marvel knew Marvel knew that thing. You know, on one one, you didn't have the internet where you could you know punch up the answer. You know, to to everything. I mean, you literally would have had to sit and read everything uh, that had yeah. come out, which you know was not practical and is really not practical now. Um, you know, and and Marvel realized that people were doing. I mean, that's where the no prize came in. You know, yeah. 
So, exactly. so yeah, I mean, it, there were errors made, but, you know, who, you know nothing of any consequence. It's comics. Yeah. Uh, lockdown, our good buddy Ryan from uh, Illinois. Brad, uh, since we both are dads and have moved our children into the world of Spider-Man, what is the one part of Spider-Man you will most likely never talk to Ava about? I'm not going to talk about one more day and omit Tyler ever. Um, there's big chunks of Marvel team-up I'm not going to let her see. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um... Spider-Man Reign, she doesn't need to read that. Um, Are you going to share your favorite Black Cat stories with her, Brad? She, yeah, she doesn't need to know about the milk bath. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she doesn't need to know about the random sex in the hotel rooms. Um, yeah, stuff like that. She doesn't need to know about that. I'll tell you, and though, that, in this day and age, Brad, she's going to surprise yeah. you with all the crazy shit she knows, you know? Yeah, I know. I mean, just, I and that they pick up. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Um, the, uh, JR, you probably, you probably uh, when your kids were growing up, did they ever cuss when they were really young? I, ha- I had a moment, I'll share this with you a minute, but did your, your son or daughter cuss at an early age? Age, which is actually kind of a surprise, considering how their father talked. <laughs> so we we uh, we were watching the Charlie's Angels movie, and it was randomly on, and, and you know it's got girls in it, and they're they're action, they're essentially girl superheroes, the Charlie's Angels. You know the Drew Barrymore one with uh, Cameron Diaz, and uh, the scene. It's a fairly tame movie. It's rated PG thirteen, but you know so Spider Man, and we let her watch that. And there's a scene where um, Demi Moore and Cameron Diaz are fighting. And uh, they land, they've, they've just fought, and they land in basically a theater. Demi Moore gets up and says, all right, bring it, bitch. And Ava looks at her mother and goes, bring it, bitch. And I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> wow. So we instantly, and then the, it continued the next day. I woke up to her saying, bring it, bitch. And I'm like, oh, I'm such a horrible parent. I didn't know that scene was in there, uh, and uh, anyway. So I mean, yeah, because who's actually watched those movies? I mean, <laughs> I like the Charlie's Angels movies. I don't know, but anyway, aren't the that, ones that, that, aren't those ones that have uh, Cameron Diaz dancing around in her panties? They're Spider-Man panties, if you will. Yeah, yes. they're just okay. Yeah, all right. Damn. I'm calling CPS. Yeah, because if right you now. want to see Skeletor dancing around in his underwear, that's, that's... <laughs> oh, I like Cameron D. Yeah, I liked her in the mask, and that's it. <laughs> I am the same way, Bailey. I like her in the mask, and then I haven't liked her in anything. Every every other time since then, she's been annoying. Oh, that's I like her a lot. Um, Jr. I love that your spider history every month. I love. I just love your spider history every month. But have you ever thought about visiting any of the former Spider Women titles, like Jessica Drew and Maggie Franklin? Well, considering that this is called the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast <laughs> and not the Spider-Woman or, you know, um, Crawl Space Podcast. Uh, no. I don't think you... Did you read Spider-Woman in the 70s, by the way? No. No, and, and the Maddie Franklin... You, Hell no. That was really bad by Bart Sears and John Byrne. Whew, that was bad. Yeah, was what what, bad. what was it? She was like what supposed to be a fifteen year old girl, and you know, mm-hmm. and, and we're running around fighting crime in a thong, right? Something like that. Just yeah, it, it was rough. I, I such a bad book. Um, uh, Michael Bailey, what is the one Spider-Man villain you think has always had the most potential but was never used properly? Demogoblin. 
No, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> Seriously. You know, it, it's kind of funny because, I, I, you know, of the villains that I like, I think all of them have been pretty much used to their fullest potential because there isn't, like, an obscure, you know, Spider-Man villain that, that I uh, have any kind of affinity for. I mean, you know, there, there's some that, well, I don't I don't know if you would call whatever, God, what's that character's name that... That J.M. DeMatteis created for Captain America and brought over Vermin? to Spider Vermin. Yeah. Oh, J.R. loves Vermin. I mean, it's just you know, I, God, he hates Vermin. It's like if it's kind of a lower tier Spider-Man villain, they're either not on the radar or I actively dislike them. Whereas the villains that I do like, like you know, Venom and Doc Ock and Green Goblin and and uh, Sandman and those, they've I think they've all had times to shine. So. I actually really thought about this question, and I really couldn't come up with a good answer to it. I've said it in the past, and I think he uh, he was used uh, fairly decently in the recent Daredevil by Mark Wade, which is the Spot. I think the Spot has a lot of potential. I, I just think he's kind of a joke. Uh, he's more of an '80s uh, hypno hustler joke anymore. So, uh, George, what do you believe is the worst Stegron story that's ever been told? I'm not a fan of the Todd DeZago, Mike Ringo, Savage Land story with Chicken Cow. Whew. That story might have brought Stegron into the 90s back, but I feel he was really a back-burner villain to that story. Chicken Cow. What happened in Chicken Cow? Okay, so, I'm sorry, I had to, I had to spray some air freshener because just to get rid of the smell of Chicken Cow. <laughs> uh, no, he's he, well. First of all, Ryan, uh, thank you for the question um, yeah. because we don't cover Stegron near enough here. And uh, but uh, really, he's the dinosaur man. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Jr. He wore an ascot. <laughs> an ascot. <laughs> Your turn, Bailey. Impersonate George. Uh, I just—I thought I just he, did. He just did. Bro. Oh, I thought that was Jr. No. That was so good. You threw your voice to sound like Jr. doing George. <laughs> if only I had a third hand so I could flip everybody off right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That was awesome. So no, I'm um, like third generation giving you crap. I mean, seriously. Well, you were—you were here for that when it happened. Yes, I yeah. remember. I remember that vividly. Okay, so um, first of all, there's there's two ways to answer this. Uh, n- number one, meta, or, uh, big picture, which is any story that has that doesn't have Stegron in it is the worst uh, Stegron story. Um, number two, yes, the ones that he mentions, they're Sensational Spider-Man uh, number fourteen and number fifteen. I think from ninety-seven or ninety-eight. With um, and Jr. and Brad, you may remember this. Hang on, I'm trying not to burp. Oh, that, that's that's Slim Jim's coming back to haunt me. Um, no, it, Snap into it, some acid reflux. I know. Snap into some tums, son. Uh, so that story, they were in the Savage Land, and you know, of course, it's an evil corporation, rocks and oil. Ooh, they want to make money. Ooh. And um, and so you have Spider Man up there along with uh, Kazar and Shanna, and uh, Zabu the the tiger. Rawr. And uh, and of course you know you got Stegron up there with all his dinosaur pals, and sure enough, like some sort of Godzilla type creature, they've they, they've they've awakened some kind of extremely massive fifty foot tall chicken cow monster. 
<laughs> that the Hulk winds up fighting. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, the Hulk's there. Oh, yeah, the Hulk was there, The too. Hulk I winds forgot. up fighting this thing through most of the story. Um, oh, Hulk versus Chicken Cow. Until eventually Stegron realizes he's a threat and sends dinosaurs to tackle him after Hulk's uh, cold cocked him. Uh, and one of the one of like the natives up in the Savage Land describes him as the legendary Chatilok, also called Nakra, also called the Chekun Cow. <laughs> like it's, but it's spelled, you know, like weird, mysterious, you know, like a Oriental, you know, kind of word. I haven't read that story in years. Just yeah. say Chicken Cow. Absolutely, that was the worst. Stegron story ever, uh, aside from the Stegron stories that don't have Stegron in them, which is like 99.9% of all the stories out there. <laughs> I see a new animated feature from Disney coming out, Stegron and his dinosaur pals. <laughs> and then yeah. Stegron two and a half, and, his, and <laughs> that's going back into the Disney vault. Oh, man. <laughs> Stegron two and a half. Ah, zippity eight. <laughs> My, oh, my. All right, JR, what do you think happened to Norman's hot Swedish nurse, Colina, from the Revenge of the Green Goblin miniseries? Why don't I remember Colina? Brad, stop a minute. You didn't say who was asking the question. Oh, and didn't you, didn't you forget, the, the, wasn't there another question about someone asking about the anniversaries? Yes and yes. Big Al from Edgeware. I got it so excited by zippity doo I did not read the first question. But here, I just asked the Colina one. Let JR answer that one. <laughs> yeah, well, for the uninitiated or for the 10-year-old who hasn't or didn't read this story, so now it will be all new to them. Um, uh, in um, Norman was driven mad by, by oh, as, as along with most of the readers of Spider-Man comics of the time, by the gathering of the five. Uh, and then, but, yeah. you know... Uh, he was uh, spirited away by the scryers and, you know, given a lot of medication and other things. And he was attended to by a nurse named Colina, uh, who he happened to fall deeply in love with. Uh, I think what happened to her basically was that once Norman realized what, a, you know, his everything came back to him and he realized what a miserable son of a bitch he was, he mind wiped her and sent her on her way. You know, he, you know, I, I think Norman's got enough self-awareness that, uh, you know, that uh, he wasn't he wasn't any good for her. And so I, I don't think he would have had anything done to her. I think he, other than you know maybe purging her memory and and uh, I think that's what happened. To everyone back in 1992 and 2012, Marvel made big deals at Spider-Man's 30th and 50th anniversaries. Was there anything noteworthy done for Spider-Man's 10th, 20th, 40th, or any other anniversary like a particular special story or anything like that? So the 10th would be uh, 72, right? Yeah, yeah. Did, I don't think. Uh, of course, the tenth was around the uh, the death of Gwen Stacy. I was pretty close to it. Issue one twenty two. So, when did Marvel Team Up come out? Was that seventy two? Did he get a second title in seventy two? Yeah, it was around issue yeah. one hundred ten of Amazing or something like that. Yeah. So maybe he got a second title. Maybe that's how we celebrate ten. Uh, eighty two. What was big in eighty two? Um, You know, this guy actually was Roger Stern. Cocaine. <laughs> yeah, a line of cocaine. In 1982, he got a Spider-Man video game for the Atari. That was big. I, I think the 40th would really be, and it wasn't you know specifically timed like this, but the 40th was uh, the movie. movie. The movie. The movie, 2002. I mean, that was yeah. huge. They've already, right? uh, Brevard's already announced what they're going to do for the 60th. What's that? Uh, it's just basically it's a black cover with a middle finger on it. 
So <laughs> that'll we have that to look forward to in uh, 2022. And it'll be 20 bucks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with two pages. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Awesome. One of them's ads. <laughs> and it folds out, uh. Bailey. Uh, <laughs> uh, 8292. What was big? I remember the 30th anniversary. Oh, he, he says that. Uh, his question is about the 10th and 20th and 40th. What was 40? That was the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, what, well, pretty much something big comes out. I'll, well, the thirtieth was when that we started seeing. Though it was the early nineties, and I think we started seeing those uh, those uh, hologram covers. And yeah, the hologram. Yeah, covers, this, yeah, this is. I think. I think it's interesting that they probably they didn't do much for the tenth and the twentieth, but they did with the thirtieth because this was the nineties when the industry was just starting to whore itself out miserably. So that's when it started doing all this anniversary bullshit. You know, nineteen eighty. Uh, um trying to think of the 20th anniversary. I don't know. It had been around the Denny O'Neill, Roger, you know, yeah. era, you know, and that was really something to celebrate. Uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Uh, besides the video game, I can't think of anything big that came out in 1982 besides John Arena Jr. E.T. Uh, uh, N.E.T. <laughs> phone home. George and Michael in 2012, the podcast panelists each gave a list of their top five Spider-Man villains and their top five Spider-Man supporting characters. For each of you, who would you put in your top five in each category and why? Oof. I'll let Bailey go first. Good God. I hope you guys prepared for that one. I couldn't of do it. Of course we prepared uh, for this. Okay. Uh, I hear you pencil writing right now, George. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wrote mine down yesterday. Okay, good. My, uh, my top five villains are, of course... Uh, Demo Goblin and uh, Demo Goblin and uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> vermin and Vermin. Yes, number one is Vermin. No, you know this was a, this was a tough one again because you know I, I've read a lot of Spider-Man over the years, but I've never really put much. I've always thought he had a great Rogues Gallery and a pretty decent supporting cast, but I've never really you know decided you know rank them. So I don't really have like. I'm going to throw out five villains and five supporting characters. They're in no particular order. It's not like I have an absolute favorite. It's not that I have one that I have, you know, of, of this group. It's not like I like this guy or, or this woman less. Uh, for villains, I like Venom. I like Doc Ock. I like the Hobgoblin, the original Goblin. The more I read of that early stuff, the more I was just like, this is fantastic. Yeah, uh, Spider-Man stuff. It's kind of the classic, uh, classic feel of the Ditko Lee and then the the, the Lee uh, Romita stuff. I really like the Sandman, especially when he was kind of a good guy. But as a villain, I think he works very well. And uh, all things being equal, you know, I have no idea why this is. I like the Shocker. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not that kind of shocker, sir. But yeah, no, I just—I've yeah. always really liked his look. Green Goblin didn't make your top five. Um, because you know I like the Green Goblin, but it's not yeah. like again I haven't read a whole lot with the Green Goblin. Plus, I always have Green Goblin inferiority complex when I'm with Jr. Because this man, man has forgotten more about the Green Goblin than I will ever know. So, well, the thing is, you and I are the same age, and the Hobgoblin was our Goblin. Yeah, I, I mean, if, he's, if he was dead years before we started reading, and that's the thing, and and I think the proof in the pudding in that is that because he was dead. Uh, for so long, when you had the Amazing Spider-Man, you know, Superman versus the Amazing Spider-Man, they had the top-tier Superman and Spider-Man villains, and it was Lex Luthor 
and Dr. Octopus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it had been a couple years earlier and he was still alive, I guarantee you it would have been the Green Goblin, which would have been an interesting matchup uh, and an interesting team-up villain-wise. Uh, kind of better than the Parasite and Doctor Doom, though, all things being equal, I like the second Superman-Spider-Man crossover more than the first. Uh, so, and, and as far as supporting characters... Again, it's it, it's kind of weird. Flash Thompson makes the list, but only because I really liked what they were doing with him in Venom, and and, yeah. and that doesn't and and I liked how Peter David wrote him in Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man as the coach. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. you know it, it was kind of a nice balance. Like he's still kind of giving Peter crap, but he's not a complete d bag. Mm-hmm. So you know, and you know, Mary Jane, of course, you gotta like Mary Jane. Gotta like Gwen Stacy. I liked Harry. And what I read of him, in all honesty. And <laughs> this is going to sound really weird. After going through all of, like, the, the original, you know, couple of essentials and all that, and listening to Amazing Spider-Man classics, I really started liking Liz Allen. Wow. And, and the reason yeah. is, 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 is in a comic book that was constantly breaking new ground for the superhero genre you have the popular pretty girl being somewhat interested in the nerd. Yeah. And, and yeah, it was up and down, and it was inconsistent sometimes, but as a concept, that's pretty cool. And she mm-hmm. stuck around, it, you know, into the college years, where she, and she kind of disappeared for a little while, but, you know, in reading the issues where she's married to Harry Osborn and stuff, I, I kind of liked her. I felt bad for yeah. her. I felt like she was going through a really rough time. So, Did a lot of good yeah. stuff with her and her brother. Yeah. The Molten mm. Man. Yeah. Um, uh, George, your turn. All right, so my top five Spidey villains. Now, I'm just going with villains here, you know, like actual criminals. I'm not uh, including Joe Quesada or Tony Stark. Ooh. <laughs> so, so my, uh, my, top, my, my top number one spot is, of course, Norman. There you go, JR. Um, <laughs> there is no one else that has done more as a villain against Peter than Norman has. Um, number two is Otto, uh, and Otto has really, uh, again, I, uh, so much good has been done with Otto in the last two years. Otto is going to be a force to be reckoned with now as a villain, I, I firmly believe. Yeah. Um, number three is Kingpin, mm, um, yeah. which may be surprising to some people, but when you look at Spider-Man's history, yeah, I'm going to go with Kingpin, especially given the fact that he had Aunt May shot. Um, number four, I'm going with uh, Hobgoblin. Uh, for half a decade, over half a decade, the Hobgoblin had had more people talking about Spider-Man than, than anything else. Um, and my fifth choice, which is going to be very weird for some people, is the Sin Eater. Uh, ooh, and the reason ooh. the reason I put him in there is because no, very few other villains in Spider-Man's history have made him snap to, at that level. That is true. Have affected him at Mm -hmm. that core. Now, that may have been just a small window of stories that he was in, but you're hard-pressed to find anyone except for maybe, you know, for Norman and maybe the Kingpin who have really, really made him flip. Yeah. Jarrah, what do you think? Am I wrong? Oh, I I absolutely agree with you. In fact, uh, uh, oddly enough, I just picked up, like, Essential Number 5, Peter Parker Essential 5, because it was on the cheap, and I looked through the Gene DeWolf story again, and uh, oh, absolutely! I mean, he would if if Daredevil hadn't, uh, you know, you could see him just about killing the guy, 
if uh, Daredevil hadn't uh, intervened. And yeah, there's there's not too many people that left to his own devices. He might he might have just wound up beaten to death. So yeah. You nail, uh, yeah, you got that one right. I, I know they, they did a follow-up to the Sin Eater. I don't think it was as strong, but uh, they never really touched on him again, did they, after those two stories? Because he died. Yeah, he, he, I know, but you could do a legacy. Thing no, like no he doesn't need a legacy. He should never no. have a legacy. No? No. Okay. A, a legacy just dilutes what happened with that, and, and that is, is an all-time classic. It, Thank you, Peter David. It, it worked for the Hobgoblin, though. Well, the, the whole idea of the Sin Eater, though, the Sin Eater was... It really, the, the two stories that were told about him were really the only ones you could tell about him. I mean, basically, Spider, you know, Spider-Man, you know, went wild on him and beat him to within an inch of his life, and then Peter David brought him back to show you what would really happen to a human being who got beaten like that. And right. uh, you know, there there wasn't anything, there wasn't anywhere else to go with him, really. Right. Uh, supporting cast now, George. Uh, number one, Mary Jane. Um, yep. Number two, and, and I'm basing this just on the effect that they have on Peter overall, or or the importance they have in Peter's life. Uh, number two, Aunt May. Number three, Jonah. Uh, number four, Harry, who I really I one of the greatest tragedies of the entire brand new verse is that they brought Harry back to turn him into a colossal douchebag, <laughs> and I I hate that so so much. Uh, especially you know I remember Brad we were talking the other night we were talking about the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah. Uh, and we were going through the fact that that cartoon has a lot of flaws, but one thing it, two things it gets absolutely right are are Peter and Harry, and Harry and Norman. And it, watching those cartoons made me miss when Harry wasn't a douchebag, <laughs> you know. And and we're not going to get that back again because that's what brand new verse Harry is. He's a colossal douche. Seems like that's what the movie's going to portray Harry as too. He's just creepy. He looks like James Spader had a kid with himself. <laughs> you know, I mean, that wow. That what a thought. Yeah. That Dean DeHaan Harry is just creepy. Oh my! I don't gosh. see me mourning the loss of that Harry at all. Yeah. Um, Did you name five? Was it? Or no, the, the fifth one was Gwen. Now Gwen was a bipolar Gwen. psycho in life, um, <laughs> but in death she taught Peter some very important lessons. Lessons yeah. that were completely forgotten, so that Civil War could be told. <laughs> Uh, and Gwen barely edged out uh, Robbie and Flash. Yeah. TNR, good, very good question, by the way. TNR 105 from a half a sleeve of Ritz is his location. <laughs> that's, that's really good. I like from that. Jersey. <laughs> he changed it because of what I said about can, Jersey. Can you eat? I could easily eat a whole thing of Ritz, couldn't you? The whole no, thing I've got. Little... I, I had a Slim Jim before we started. I had a Slim right. Jim and a little bag of uh, Reese's Minis. <laughs> and a couple of pieces of string cheese, and 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 I still got a whole bag of of, of uh, uh, like a pork rinds. Oh, oh looking God. at me! My heavens! All right. Uh, basically, he is very happy that George and Bailey are now regulars, and he he puts up the Fat Albert opening theme. Hey, 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 hey. it's the Spider-Man crawl space, and I'm gonna <laughs> sing a song for you, and Brad's gonna show you a thing or two. <laughs> We're having fun now with George and all the gang. <laughs> Learning from JR why we do our thing. Nah, nah, nah. Gonna have a good time. <laughs> wow. Bra Bravo, Bailey. I've been planning that. Bravo. All night. 
Oh, oh my god! Put that at the That's... put that at the beginning of the episode. Make that the intro song. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, that was beautiful, Bailey. That's the, that's the theme song now of the crawl space. We, <laughs> you know, instead, in, in, you know, where the first episodes were the uh, the uh, poignant closing theme of the Hulk, and then lately it's been the the uh, Spider Man and Friends or whatever. But now now we can yeah. have that as the uh, oh my gosh. as the theme. Oh. Remind me, Bailey, to so George and I aren't laughing over you. I want to hear a clean recording of you doing that, and I'll try to get the the, the background music over it, and I'll make it the opening song. Hey, Brad. Yeah, yeah. You're like school in the summertime. No class. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be the kid with the lampshade on his head? Oh my! Obi Kabi. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Rock used to call it Amos and Albert. <laughs> my dog oh. is very upset with me right now. Oh my gosh, uh, Jr. Follow this. Um, you got a what if question? It looks like if in some alternate universe, Roderick Kingsley found himself in a position of power comparable to that of Norman's during Dark Reign. What do you think he would have done differently? How would he have been brought down, or would it be feasible for him to get away with it all? I think we can agree that Norman nearly. Always leads to his own defeat, but it's, it's his insanity or just his narcissism and overconfidence. Well, yes, yes, Jr. Firstly, uh, it just, it's not that important for it's. Oh, did, you lose, yeah. did I fade out again? Yeah. yeah, you you started and then you stopped, but go ahead. Okay. No, I mean, uh, Kingsley doesn't feed off power or need it like, like Norman does. And if Kingsley found himself in that position, he probably would do what he usually does, come up with a doppelganger and fake it, and have it assassinated and then go off on an island to live. Uh, Kingsley gets, he gets bored with the same old, same old. I mean, he gets, he got bored with being the hobgoblin the first time around. And he got like, you know, he got to the point where, you know, this ain't fun anymore. Uh, and it looks like he's got he got to that point again. So uh, uh, you know he wouldn't stick around in power long enough for anybody to take him down. He'd find a, he'd, he'd bail out himself and uh, leave some other fool to take a bullet for him. Zipline, hey, hey, okay, hey, Brad. Can I make yeah. a quick observation about that? Go ahead. Okay. How many times in comics we've seen it with the chameleon, with the rose, kingpin, hobgoblin. Everybody, the Magia, Silvermane, everybody wants to take over the criminal underworld in New York. They all talk about it. We're going to own the underworld. We're going to, I'm going to be the big crime lord. They never talk about the minutiae. They never talk about their plans. What's their plan to keep smacking the veins? What's their plans to make sure that there's hoes on the street? They never talk about that stuff. You know, I mean, you have to look at it as a business model. If you're an owner of a, of a franchise team, that's fine. Yeah, you got to oversee the team, but you also got to keep hot dogs coming through the, the stands. <laughs> They never talk about their plans, you know. What are yeah. they going to do when they run the underworld? Okay, I'm the king of the underworld. We're out now. What now? What? I have to work on infrastructure. I have to work on uh, on 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 you know getting the the right personnel. Yeah. You never hear talk about that. Just uh, it's oh, no. I want to take over. I want to take over, but never how they're going to run it. Sorry, that's a yeah. pet peeve of that's mine. That's good. That's good. I want to see Kingsley's plan to keep hoes on the street. And 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 what 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 in the veins? What did you say? Smack in the veins. Smack in the veins. Oh my gosh! A z- zip line. His location is purgatory, and they have computers here. He says. All right. Good job. 
Uh, Zipline says, question everyone, despite Ultimate Spider-Man's place in Marvel animation, is there a chance that we could see a mature Marvel animated original movie line featuring stories taking place in their own universes on par with DC's two to three year to direct the video animations? They released uh, a Hulk Iron Man uh, direct DVD thing. I did not see it. I don't know the quality of it. But there wasn't much talk about it. Hulk versus was very good. Uh, Hulk versus was excellent. And yes, so it was. was Planet Hulk. Planet Hulk was. However, awesome. that's that's a Lionsgate. But see, for, the bad thing is, for every Doctor Strange that was good, for every Hulk versus that was good, there's uh, there's a Thor babies. You know, <laughs> or there's an Avengers babies. Actually, that was not all that bad. Surprisingly, I I, I, have, I, I was shocked. Now the Iron Man. Oh, direct a DVD terrible. movie, which was basically, I guess they got the writers of GI Joe because he had to go to five different places, and, <laughs> and I mean it was really like a plot to like one of the old GI Joe movies and all yeah. that uh, when they would do like five episodes. My my thing with this, you know, it, it's it's an interesting question because it's amazing to see how for like five or six years there, Marvel was knocking it out of the park with live-action films. Mm-hmm. And their animated films, there was like one good one for every five bad ones. In DC, it was kind of the inverse. You know, for every Dark Knight, you had Jonah Hex and Green Lantern. And I oh. liked Green Lantern, but it wasn't really well-received. So yeah. I don't think they should focus there. Now, he asks which story would like to uh, adapt, adapt with which past voice actor for Peter and MJ... You know, all things considered, I'd really like to see the original Clone Saga adapted into a like an animated film. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I, with, I, I with think, Neil Patrick think, Harris as Spider Man, I think that would be excellent. I think uh, Craven's Last Hunt with Josh Keaton would be great. I think Neil. No, I'm with Bailey. I think Neil Patrick uh, Harris has been the best uh, Spider Man. Um, and I, I haven't even played the video games where he's voiced Spider Man or seen the MTV cartoons where he voiced Spider Man, but I've seen a lot of YouTube clips. Of him doing the voice, you know, from the video games, and he's done a really good job. He has the, the quips down well. Now, on the other side of that token, no, I'd rather take a bullet in the head and see a Clone Saga movie. <laughs> I, I just no, think DC. No, which clone DC saga does, are we talking about? Huh? He doesn't like seventies or nineties. Oh, really? Think. Okay, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, I I just think DC's directed the DVD line is really good, of what I've seen. And I wish Marvel had a similar everybody. Output. Everybody tells me I need to go back and see uh, the one with the red hood in it. It's good. No, it I, I, I good. can't. But, but that's the thing. I can't tolerate anything where Jason Todd wasn't <laughs> killed by the Joker. No, no, it's amazing because Judd Winnick, who wrote the original story in the comic, fixes one of the major problems with the comic. Okay, I didn't in know that Judd Winnick wrote it, and that makes me want to see it less. No, seriously. <laughs> Uh, I like I liked it. You've got you've got uh, uh, the voice of Bender doing a really good Joker. Uh, Bruce Greenwood's Batman. Neil Patrick Harris is Nightwing. Uh, it's it's a no. I enjoyed the hell out of that. But movie. just to be clear, it deals with a Jason Todd that did, wasn't killed by the Joker back in the day. Yes. Yeah, no, that's kind of does. I, I yeah. can't I can't get past that. Uh, let's see. He he would like a parallel lives and spirits of the earth 
with uh, Saratoga Ballantyne as Mary Jane and Christopher Barnes as Spider-Man. I don't remember Spirits of the Earth being that great a story. I remember it being pretty. It's basically Mary Jane and Spider-Man on their kind of a uh, newlywed couple going to Scotland. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. And they, I, I, th- I think that the pitch was he can't swing around on buildings. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I don't remember the story. I think he fought ghosts or something in Scotland. Uh, Lady Spider from Earth 2, Michael Bailey, what if in 1962 Spider-Man was created and he was a DC character with the same origin? Do you think he would be as popular as he is today or would he have fallen by the wayside through various reboots? Uh, Three things in regard to this. One, Lady Spider, I love your avatar. That is absolutely (laughs) awesome. Two, I love your location. That is absolutely awesome. And three, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it, it's 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 amazing. I've actually thought about this. What 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 would yeah. Spider-Man have been like if he was a DC character? And what you would have had was a young man created at the time. You know, and, and speaking in generalizations and looking at all the other heroes that were created around that same time, starting in '56 with the Flash and going with Green Lantern and the Atom and, and all the reboots, Spider-Man would have been a young man who got the powers and immediately started fighting crime because it was the right thing to do. And I, and I don't know if he would have caught on. Because the, the thing about Spider-Man was he was different. You know, he, he was a teenager with, you know, he's a teenager with problems, you know, or that's the worst right. Stanley impression ever. But I, and I apologize for that. Uh, not as bad as uh Steve Ditko drinking Bex, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but you know, if he had gotten popular though, I think, he probably would have gone the same way that like flash and green lantern, that he would have gone through reboots and maybe become a legacy type character until the, the current generation brought him back. I think it kind of would have been similar to what, what happened with the green lantern where at some point something, you know, DC would have done something with him in the nineties to kind of shake him up and a new person would have been Spider-Man. That person would be Spider-Man for like 10 years. And then the original would come back. Mm. But I, you know, it, it's such, it's such a weird thing to think about. And yet I could totally see that happening. And yet I don't want to see that happening because as much of a DC, as, as much of a DC person as I am, mm-hmm. uh, I like that Spider-Man, I like that DC and Marvel are different. There, there are two fundamentally different universes. They operate, and Buziak kind of explored it in the JLA Avengers crossover, but fundamentally, they're different. You know, everyone's like, well, Batman's like a Marvel character in the DC universe. No, Batman's a DC character in the DC universe. Batman would not operate well in the Marvel universe. Superman would not operate well in the Marvel universe. Why why would Batman not operate well in the Marvel universe? Because in the Marvel because, universe he's Punisher. Yeah, oh. kind of like that, but more he'd he'd kill more. I, or he doesn't kill now, but he would kill. But probably Marvel has not done well with historically has not done well with non-powered vigilantes. Hmm. When you really think about it, the closest they came was like Moon Knight. Moon Knight and Punisher. And Captain America has superpowers. You, you, you can't get past that. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. 
Yeah. So right. <laughs> a guy that pulled himself up by his bootstraps and trained himself to be the pinnacle of all that is man, both martial arts, both intelligence, detective skills and all that, that doesn't work in the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. Just as yeah. Spider-Man doesn't work in the DC universe. So I hope that answers yeah. her question. Hey, that was very hey, good. Bailey? I like that. Yeah, Bailey, yeah. Uh, would it be correct to say that uh, there would have been at least four Spider-Man, one of which would have been in the Legion of Superheroes? Yes. And that, and that also, uh, he would have gotten married, and then that would have been thrown out with the current DC the, reboot. The new Fifty Two. Well, you know, my my theory is is that Superman and Spider Man were following along the very a very similar track in the nineties. Yeah. When you really look at it, not not only did he have a clone, but at one point he adopted four different identities. Slingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that then other people picked up, and they got their own title. And if you watch. The, the the people who work on Spider-Man that go to Superman and work on Superman and go to Spider-Man, the, that, that's a very long list. And now we can add John Romita Jr. to that list. True. Stern, DeMatteis. Uh, DeMatteis, uh, uh, Byrne, um, yep. Dan Jurgens, Louise Simonson. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. Very, I, I agree. Very good question. Very good answer. Scarlet Spider from Marcos <clears throat> City. Macross City. What's that? That's uh, Robotech. Macross City oh. is the city inside okay. the battleship. Gang, are there any pet peeves you have in Spider-Man comics? Like his, an ability Spidey has that is constantly bent to the rules laid down? One of my pet peeves is the fact that Spider-Man can't cling to walls with shoes on, yet in Superior, the soles of the feet have cleats on them. It's not a big deal, but it can bug me when I'm bored and I have nothing better to do but think about a comic I just read. He he runs out of web shooters a lot. That's always a, a standby you know, that he does a lot. You know what mountain climbers have on their shoes? What? Cleats. <laughs> that was in stereo, boys. Uh, <laughs> I really knew where I was going with it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, JR, any pet peeves out of you? I, that happens a lot. I mean, the Parker Lock. <sighs> well, yeah. I mean, I, I just get the idea, I, the, the 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 conception that some writers get that he's that he's a, a man child and that he, uh, uh, <sighs> uh, whatever, you know. <laughs> Uh, another question is, with Superior Ending, do you feel that this storyline may go down as some of the best Spider-Man stories ever told, or will it fall into obscurity in a few years? This is going to be something that people talk about for a long time, and it is something that will be remembered. This is yeah. this isn't something that will have a lasting legacy, and I'll tell you why. Aside from all the big events and all the stories, things like uh, Big Time, New Ways to Die, all that crap, none of that's going to be remembered in 20 years. This will be remembered. Yeah. Not not only did Spider Man villain Spider Man's villain win, but he did it, and then he did a fairly good job afterward. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. these years are going to be talked about, and uh, rightfully so. Like I said, this yeah. has been the the best writing that Dan Slott's done on the entire title. It was, and they had to get rid of the main character to do it. Now the question is: Does the follow up to this, where you have Slot writing the regular Peter Parker, does Slot leave the title? Uh, Having already peaked, I I think it, it you can't. It remains to be seen because we haven't seen yeah. what he's going to do. But history tells me yes, that's the case. History tells me what he's going to do next will not be as strong as what he's just done. But at yeah. the same time, it he's in a better position to write Peter now than he was at big time. Yeah, 
He he didn't have to share the character as much. Yeah. Well, not, not only that, it's <clears throat> Big Time was still as much as that was kind of a revamp, uh, and, and, and a revamp as in terms of like even kind of like wholesale lifting concepts from previous revamps. But it was also still coming off of <clears throat> a Brand New Day and Omit. So now you've had two years of cleansing, basically. Yeah. This is this has been spa the the two years at the spa for Spider-Man fans, where they got to read some really good stories with some really solid artwork, and now he can kind of come at Peter Parker free of that baggage, because frankly, I think it's time to stop talking about Brand New Day. In all honesty, it's over. Yeah. It's done with. It's 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 a best forgotten. It, it'd be like still bitching about the Mackie Burn era. I will. I will never stop bitching about one more day. Not ever. Not ever. It is the worst thing that has ever been done to this character ever. The um. Uh yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into that one again. Um, where was I? Uh, Brad, what is your favorite Hulk era? Mine is the Peter David era with Future Imperfect being my favorite storyline. Uh, Peter David is my favorite era. Also, I don't think it's been topped as close as. Uh, has ever been come to topping Peter David was Bill Matlow's run. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I thought the one that had the most promise in the last 10, 15 years was Jenkins and John Romita Jr. together. Mm-hmm. I thought that. But it didn't last very long. Mm-hmm. Um, I really didn't care for – Bailey will disagree with me on this uh, – Greg Pak's run. I thought the best part of uh, Greg Pak's run was uh, Planet Hulk. I mean, not Planet Hulk, World War Hulk. I didn't really care for Hulk as a gladiator with no banner. I just a lot of people liked that story. I didn't really care for it. Uh, Bailey, what do you think? What's uh, Peter David your favorite? Also, Peter David would be my favorite, but yeah. really, especially right before three hundred, leading up to three hundred, like yeah. two seventy two to three hundred, where he comes back and you know after mm-hmm. meeting Rocket Raccoon, soon to be a major motion picture star, mm-hmm. uh, and an ongoing series of and, Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, uh, but. You know, coming after that and leading up, and it was like this whole rise and fall from grace yeah. uh, that I just absolutely loved. And it wasn't always perfect, and you had like that Anne Nascenti, uh issue the, where she it was the assistant editor's month where uh, the Hulk comes to her office to talk to to talk yeah. to her about uh, General Ross. But even then, that was that was kind of interesting, and you got to see General Ross fall. And you got to see all the, you know, you got to see the Hulk as a hero, but then it all comes undone because, as Peter David proved, the Hulk, the, the Hulk was doing what The Walking Dead does twenty years ago. You know, <laughs> we're gonna show you a new cast of characters, we're gonna get you really liking these people, and then it's gone because something <laughs> bad happens. And I even like it when they threw him into the uh, the crossroads. Oh, I hated those issues. You hated the crossroads? It just got I, boring. I, it was the same yeah. thing issue after issue after issue. The yeah. Magnola art was interesting. Yeah. I'll give right. it that. Well, but well, I mean, it was. The, the 312 origin issue was good. Yeah, but that was the end. I mean, because it was two issues later, you had Burn coming on, and I thought Burn's run had a lot of promise to it. It was just I, over I, before it all, really started. All four issues of it? Yeah, more like six, six, six or seven. Yeah, it was like yeah. three fourteen to three twenty or something like that. That had, one of, that had one of my favorite Hulk fights of all time, though. 
Oh, where he took on the Avengers, like Wonder Man. It, it didn't have Cap. I don't think it was no, like it was, Iron it Man. It was Wonder, Wonder Man, Man, Hercules, Submariner, and uh, yeah. Red Suit Iron Man. Yeah, Silver Centurion, Iron Man, and yeah. and, 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 yeah. and Doc Samson comes in and starts beating everyone's ass too because he's going to take the Hulk down. Yeah, that was a good fight. That was some of the best uh, art of uh, Burns' career. I thought it really some was. of it. Yeah, yeah. Until he got on Superman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, gang, what do you think of the Guardians of the Galaxy and the Cap 2 trailers that, uh, so far? We haven't heard from JR. Did you like both of those trailers? Uh, have, you seen, have you seen them yet? Or? The, the Spider-Man trailers? No, Guardians of the Oh, Guardians of the, of the Galaxy, I'm sorry. Yeah. I've only seen one. I'm, I'm, I have little interest in the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. What about Cap Two? I have I haven't seen any trailer regarding that, and I have uh, I really have a little interest in seeing the, the Cap. I'll probably go to it because Spencer will want to go, and I think he really wants to go see Guardians of the Galaxy. But those are the only reason. Those are the only, that's the only reason that's going to get me into the theater. Those two movies. I think George and I are the only ones that read Guardians. Did you read it, Bailey? The the uh, I, I read the first wave of Annihilation. I didn't get it. I didn't get in. I didn't stay with it through Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy has me because, and I know it's a meme, but I have to agree with it. DC be like Wonder Woman can't work on film. Marvel be like I got a raccoon with a machine gun. Yeah, <laughs> and a talking tree and, and, and all that. I mean. It looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, is what exactly. it is. But Cap 2 is far and away the movie I am looking forward to most this year. More than Spider-Man 2? More than Spider-Man 2, because I loved the first Captain America film. I did, too. This is a totally different... It's not a, a World War II But it, it's giving me what I wanted. The, look, the thing about that movie that sold me completely, outside of the fact that it has Batrock the freaking Leaper in it, <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah. and Crossbones, sure. yeah, dude. and and Falcon, and, and uh, Baron Zemo, <clears throat> that scene in the trailer where Chris Evans looks at the guys in the elevator and goes, okay, guys, you got your chance to get off right now. And you know that he is about to beat the holy hell out of all of those guys. That's what's got me excited because that's yeah. what has been missing from the cap. Because World War the, the World War Two stuff was great and it felt like a World War Two movie. And his role in Avengers can't can't complain about that at all. Especially when Agent Coulson looks at him and goes, "You know, I think we need some of that kind of heroics right now." And I'm like, "Yes." Thank you. This is what I've been waiting for. But now I want to see Tom Clancy-esque Captain America, yeah, where it's yeah. action and him just beating ass all over the place. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I, I'm excited cool. about Cap 2. Uh, there's three films I'm really excited for this year. Uh, well, I, I'll go ahead and say Amazing Spider-Man 2 is the fourth one. But I'm looking forward – the number one thing I'm looking forward to more than anything else is Guardians of the Galaxy. I really do. I think it's going to be colossal, and I think yeah. it's going to just blow so. people away. But, uh, yeah, I'm also excited about Godzilla and, and uh, Cap 2. Oh, Godzilla looks awesome. you see the trailer for that, Bailey? Uh, oh, my God. Not yet. But, uh, oh, holy God. Cow. Oh, my Lord. Awesome. I got chills watching that thing. I will say Guardians of the Galaxy has won me over also in that, thankfully, we can now associate that song with something besides a dancing, freaking computer-generated baby and Allie McBeal, which is a show that I hated. <laughs> I love the line in there, dude. I love the line where the guy says, what a bunch of a-holes. I know. That's awesome. That's the same guy that voiced uh, Darth Maul. 
in uh, Phantom oh. Menace. It's the same guy that was uh, Sean's uh, roommate in Shaun of the Dead. Oh, okay. That's, that's that same. That's that same guy. Yeah. I didn't know. So that. I love hearing him say, "What a bunch of a holes," you know. <laughs> Miss Mister Metz uh, has a question. What type of Spider-Man art do you like, and what type don't you like? Uh, the everything in Marvel Knights Spider-Man, <laughs> the most recent one, where I can't read a coherent story. I don't know what panel to go to next. I I I like the Ramita style. Uh, is is the gold standard? Yeah, I would I would I would agree with that. Ramita, Ditko, um, Andrew Ross, Andrew, I thought did a great job. Uh, Alex Saviak, actually, I think oh, yeah. uh, is a very underrated one, but. You know, and, and McFarlane and all that. And as far as not liking it, uh, I haven't really, tr- since I, thankfully I have not stumbled across much Spider-Man art that I hated. Uh, so I really can't answer that part of the question. <laughs> two, two that I don't like that's uh, unpopular. Uh, my opinion is unpopular for these two. Steve Scross, I didn't care for in the 90s. Uh, I mean, he came off of Bagley, and Bagley's uh, up there for me, uh, of a great Spider-Man artist. I didn't care for Steve, Steve Scross, and I didn't care for um, uh, Luke Ross. Luke, not Alex, but Luke Ross, who f- followed um, Sal Buscema on uh, Spec in the 90s. I, I didn't care for him. I, however, I think he's gotten to be a better artist over the years, because he did some recent Captain America stuff that was solid. So, I don't I don't like Marcos Martin a lot. Um, I... I, I you know, I, I do. I tend but. to like artists who have good form, good definition, you know, good heroic form, and good definition and and dynamic views, dynamic perspective. I, I, I I'm one of the guys that when I was a kid I had how to draw the Marvel way, mm, you know, yeah. how to draw comics but the John, Marvel way. John B. Sinler, and, yeah. and there was that whole chapter, the power of perspective, where they showed you the difference, you know. Yeah. And I don't think Marcos Martin read that chapter. Because <laughs> um, everything his his characters don't look powerful. There's not a lot of power in the form, and it's usually just two dimensional. It's like Mike Allred. Well, yeah, but Mike Allred's got a style that that works with. You know, I never. I just really don't care for his artwork at all. I like. I used to. Re- I used to love uh, Madman and uh, the Atomics back in the day. I haven't liked his Marvel stuff, especially that goddamn dupe. What are you kidding me with this? <laughs> I li- <laughs> There's you know that, uh, that that Marvel. I like Doop. You know that Marvel Heroes game, Brad, that I play online. Yeah. You know, um, while you're running, you Doop. while you're running around doing missions every now and then, a dupe will appear just at random, and you can go <laughs> kick the crap out of dupe to get like like uh, like money and uh, and special <laughs> items and stuff until he's dead. You can just sit there and beat on him until he's dead. Oh my! And God. it takes a while to kill him too. I felt the same way in the Super Shadow of Apocalypse PS2 game where I got to fight Livewire and you're supposed to beat her in a certain way, and I would just burn her with my heat vision until it ran out, fly off, hide, and then just burn her again with my heat vision. I hated that character. That's funny. Wait, wait. You, know, you, uh, you, you didn't like Livewire in the cartoon? No, not at all. Because it was really? voiced by Lori Petty, who I found very annoying. You don't? You didn't like Tank Girl? I've never seen Tank Girl. Oh my God! I loved Lori Petty back in the day. I'm sorry, boy. We are off now, aren't we? we yeah, we're, we're going, man. We're going. Thing, uh, Iron Patriot from the Philippines. What is your favorite disguise in comics? I love the scene in The Dark Knight Returns where Batman disguised himself as an old woman. Spider-Man hide himself very much. Yeah, he, I mean, he wears. Uh, I know people don't talk about it a lot, but he wears a red and blue costume, and he also has like a black and white variant. 
that he wears a lot a, a lot of times. I don't know why people don't talk about that more. I really love his red and blue costume. I mean, it's really classic looking. I, That's a good I disguise. Love, I love any time Batman pulls off a mask and he's got the full cowl underneath it. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but I love seeing it. I, I, I don't think Spider-Man hides. He's red and blue right in the middle of your face. We just I talked mean, about him having four disguises back in the 90s. Well, well, yeah, that, yeah. I guess the ultimate disguise is Dusk of the Slingers, you know, the, the all black suit. He also wears a... Uh, at that time of day. Okay, I was... <laughs> I think you can count when he wore the Fantastic Four costume with the bag on his head. <laughs> yeah. Why, he'd have to be a... typically doesn't make himself look like another person in his, yeah. in his crime fighting. It's just he's usually drops in, quips, flip, thwips, and then it's over. Hey, JR, are, are we missing anything? Has there been a... Yeah. Nothing to think of. Okay. DC Marvel fan guy. Uh, I hope all is well. My question is directed at George. What was your favorite moment or story in the Superior Spider-Man run? Um, I had a lot of favorite moments. I loved it when he threw the vulture down into the spotlight, the the big spotlight. After he whipped his ass, that was awesome. Um, But my favorite, my single favorite story was... um, uh, Right before he got the raft, that whole story where uh, they went to the raft to execute Smythe, and there was that whole prison break, and and uh, you had Smythe trying to break out Vulture, you know, who was already jacked up, and uh, Lizard. They try to rehabilitate Lizard, but I, I remember laughing when I started reading like Lizard was trying to help everybody. I was like, oh no, Marvel, you went too far with Shed, so you get the you don't get to you don't get to go back on that now. This is the Lizard you're stuck with. Get get used to it now. You've tainted him forever. Um. But that whole story, I mean, just Otto pitching his intellect against Smythe and laughing at Smythe the whole time and even getting to the point where he told Smythe right at the end, ha ha, you dumb bastard, I'm not even Spider-Man, I'm Dr. Octopus, so F you. You know, and, and Jameson basically telling him, look, you need to execute this guy and him doing it and then blackmailing Jameson with it. That whole story was just full of wind. And then at the end, he gets a giant island out of it. My, I mean, the, the issue that we just reviewed uh, where... Uh, the Goblin says, "I know it's you, Ock." Is one of my favorites. I mean, I, I love well, that. Well, you know, but he's got the he got Carly's journal. I know, but just the the surprise of Ock that uh, whoever is behind the Goblin mask has, has figured it out. I, I think that's awesome. Jr. That's one of my favorites. Jr. What was your favorite one? My favorite what? From Superior. What? What's? Oh, uh, wow. I'm trying to think. To be honest. Uh, I did kind of like the one where he beat the crap out of the jester and speedball or screwhead or whatever her name was. I kind of like the, <laughs> Phillips head. I kind of, and, I kind of uh, like that one. Um, so far, Goblin Nation looks fairly yeah. interesting. Uh, I don't know. I have to kind of you know take a look at back in the um, you know when it's in the rearview mirror and take another look at it. Right. Frogoat is our last question from Australia. Frogers. It's not Frogoat. Is it Frogoat or Frogert? It's it's F R. It's Frogoat. Oh, okay. Frogert. Okay, or Frogert. I I think Frogot. The Frogert is also cursed. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> and that's bad. <laughs> uh, hey everyone, I love the show. What Spider-Man villain would you loan out to another Marvel character to bolster their rogues gallery? For instance, the Kingpin has certainly done wonders for Daredevil over the years. Well, we loaned out Norman. 
to the Avengers. Out you, 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 they loaned out Norman to the Marvel Universe. Yeah, that's, that's true. Let's be that's fair. True. I'm surprised Norman wasn't in an, uh, Annihilation. You know, uh, there's there was a Doc Ock uh, Daredevil fight in the Miller Run, wasn't there? Was there? Yeah, there's something like yeah, there was. Yeah, yeah. Um, he also tangled with Captain America once too, didn't he? Didn't Doctor? That's right. Yes, during the Zack or something. And run, the I Fantastic think? Four in that great yep. issue during the Burn Run. That was that. Oh yeah, that took yeah, that, where it just punched you right in the stomach, right there at the yeah, end. Yeah, that was a shot to the gut with, story with the baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who who from Spider Man's Rogue? Well, the Rhino it's, has gone up against the Hulk. It's already been done, man. Beetle's been yeah. loaned out. Yeah. Scorpion got loaned out to the Thunderbolts. I mean, who hasn't been loaned out in Spider Man's Rogue's Gallery? Who who could Venom be in? Uh, They're already no, doing him I, with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's been in the Thunderbolts. Oh, hell. Yeah, shit. Um, Everyone takes something from Spider Man. Who could the Vulture go up against? Oh God! Uh, Nick Fury. I don't know. <laughs> Beatball. The Falcon. The the Falcon versus the Vulture. I love it. <laughs> Moon Knight. That's a good one. Moon Knight. Moon Knight needs a Spider-Man villain. What do you think? Uh, I don't. Who could go? Who could go up against Moon Knight? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, oh, that Vulture's uh, good. Vulture, there you go. The Vulture versus Falcon was the best. I like that. It's very good. All right. Thank you for everyone that wrote in a question to the... Oh, well, no, there's one more for JR. I almost looked over it. Uh, JR, is there any <laughs> chance you might do another... <laughs> Look at JR's sigh. Is there any chance you might do another of your amazing essays? I love to read your analysis of the good old Dr. Otto. He wants a Doc Ock essay, uh, JR. Uh... I want one too. I just wish it would. Work. <laughs> I, unfortunately, it won't write itself. Yeah, true. Thank you to everyone that wrote in. Uh, if you would like to get a question in next month, uh, watch our Facebook page. Just type in Spider-Man Crawl Space on Facebook, and I'll announce it there when the new thread is announced on our message board. Generally, it's called uh, like the it'll be April 2014 podcast. Ask the gang a question, and it will be on the top of every. Um, Thread on the message board and, and get your questions in quick because generally after a page, uh, when we hit page two, we, we close the thread because that is equal to about an hour. So this one filled up fairly quickly, uh, George. You started on Tuesday and by Friday we, we closed it. Mm-hmm. We, so get those in quick. 